app or website, but that's fine. That's how you start. You start little by little. Facebook didn't start perfectly. Instagram wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. They all went through many iterations. We're far from being perfect. We're probably going to iterate many more times and that's fine. But you start testing it with the minimum prototype you can to start seeing whether there's demand. Once you have validation of prototype, you start making a more serious product and you try to grow it from You are now listening to Stability Podcast, brought to you by Hasnashra. This week's episode is sponsored by Relief. Please check our Instagram at Stability Podcast to enter our giveaway with Relief. Thank you. Now here's the following episode. I was born and raised in Belgium, in Antwerp. Um, I grew up all my life there. Great little country, a bit like Switzerland, high taxes, great living standards. <laughs> And then I moved, when I finished high school, I moved to study in Nottingham, which is in the middle of the UK. That's where Robin Hood is from, actually. Um, then I moved from my postgrad to London. Uh, Are we talking about Robin Hood, like Robin Hood, like the thief that helped all the, the people? Thief, yeah. Not, oh, not the okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the application, app, like the investing app. I was like, no, no, no. no. I think so that's from the US. The oh, okay, first okay, Robin Hood, you know, like the animation video we all know when we were kids. That's where... Yeah, that's where the yeah, that's where it's from. So in Nottingham, when I was studying my bachelor degree, you've got like all around the city, there's like a Robin Hood museum and there's a Robin Hood statue. Wow. It's really cool. So I was there, but it's the middle of nowhere. It's mm-hmm. very you know, campus in the middle of uh, outside of the city. It's still a city, but it's very much a student city. Um, and then I moved to London for my postgrad. And, and then I loved it so much that I've stayed ever since. So I'm currently based in London, in the UK and can't travel back to see my family because you know we're all in the same problem but i'm stuck here not a bad place to be stuck (laughs) just took my vaccine two days ago Uh, so i'm grateful for that and then i'm the co-founder of this app relief which we're going to speak about awesome how did what did you do your postgrad in by the way if you don't mind me asking sure so i did both undergrad and postgrad in finance I'm a very big finance guy. I You're love in, numbers. You love numbers? Do you work I, in the, uh, the finance industry? No, that's what I was oh. going to say. I love numbers. I just hate working in finance. So I, I really, uh, I'm a geek when it comes to the numbers part. I love yeah. applying, you know, I love to go into the deep stuff and I love applying the financial skills and, and stuff I learned for myself on a personal basis and in the businesses I work for. But I hate working in investment banking. All my friends work, you know, JP Morgan, Goldman yeah. Sachs, and they love it or they hate it, but they do it for the money. That's I was about to say, money. investment banking yeah. is all about the money, man. You work yeah. in it for a few years, be set, and then leave and be like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Like, well, some people do it for that. Some people actually love it. I, yeah. There's a mix of both, but I'm the one who went into startups, not into finance. Now, of course, of course. Okay, let's talk about your application relief. So it's an application that can be downloaded on iOS and Android, or is it just iOS at the moment? At the moment, it's just iOS. Um, awesome. Both for iPhone and iPad, but of course, course you know as we get along we'll get an android app as well no of course so let's talk about the application so where did this concept come up with first of all where'd you meet your co-founder who came up with this idea all these questions up in the air okay so let me try to answer all of them at once it all started with a dating app probably wondering how's that related right so my co-founder is glenn who's my cousin he grew up with me in antwerp as well we've been he's a two-year difference of me um, we've been breaking things since kids, you know, the, our grandparents 
hated when we were um, playing together because we we're breaking yeah. and running around everywhere. And then we started growing up a bit and building projects together. One of the projects we did, which was a kind of a, a serious project or a serious startup, was a dating app called Blindly. And the concept of Blindly is essentially two strangers who don't know each other get together on a three-minute blurred video call. So imagine a FaceTime, except that there's a blur filter. And so the point there is that as opposed to Tinder, where you might match with tons of people, so they're going to give you quantity really over quality, we mm -hmm. wanted to flip the equation, give you a lot fewer matches, but at least quality. So you get to discover someone based on their character and how they speak, not on how they look. You only match after the three-minute video call. And on there, it's been pretty successful. The app still exists, by the way, both wow. iPhone and Android. Um, and we've been featured in various uh, publications, Forbes, Vogue, uh, Men's Health, uh, TechCrunch, many others. And then people described us at some point as Love is Blind, you know, like the series, Love yeah, is Blind, yeah, 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 yeah. an app. Um, and that was great. But one thing we learned is for a dating app, you need a lot of people to be on the dating app because you need a lot of matches mm -hmm. to happen. So it's what you call the network effect problem. I'm not going to be on Facebook if there's no one to share something with. I'm not mm -hmm. going to be on Instagram if there's no one. Same, I'm not going to be on Tinder if there's no one to match with. And that's the same problem we had with Blindly and we still have. There's still users using it, but it's not extremely active. But the reason I'm saying is because what we learned from that is basically people were using Blindly not just to date, but also to just speak to someone because they were stuck in quarantine. And we had released the app in late 2019, just a few months before COVID hit the whole of the West world. And um, we were the only ones with video dating at that time. There were very few apps unknown, the big ones, Tinder, yeah. Brumble, they didn't have that. So we had a lot of media and a lot of people using it. But what we noticed is people were using it mostly to speak. They were stuck in their room, stuck in their house. They wanted to speak to someone else. And at that point we had a bit like, okay, what can we do from that piece of information we've just learned? And you, you, can, you can already start seeing you know, how it comes into relief. But basically, we started analyzing, can we make maybe do a peer-to-peer -peer network? Maybe we can have strangers talk to strangers, but not for dating. start on the clubhouse train. Yes, well, on the clubhouse train, but also it existed already before. Oh, so we yes, were, true. okay, you know, let's skip that because yeah. it's not that easy, just competition there. So we started thinking and analyzing the well-being industry and the mental health industry at once. And we noticed one very important thing, which essentially led to the creation of Relief. So this is still with the same co-founder, with my cousin Glenn, you know, going from yeah. project to project. And basically, today, if you're a normal human being, you know, like the average Joe, you do not have a mental health issue, you don't suffer from any depression or anxiety, you're just a normal human being, right, without any specific issues, then in that sense, you might have a fight with your girlfriend or a fight with your boss or a bad day at work or you're done being stuck at home, whatever it is, a minor thing that you just want to get off your chest. And that today, what you get to do is you basically speak about it with your friend, right? Now, there's two problems with friends. One, they don't really know what to tell you. They're not experts. They might not know, you know, how can they help you out with your fight with your girlfriend? Right. Maybe they can, but maybe they can't with the boss. And two, even if they can help you, sometimes you're too embarrassed to ask them because it might be a personal issue. So what we noticed is the next step after speaking to friends is doing a very large jump to going to see a therapist or a psychologist or a counselor. And there's a very significant large gap there between informally asking friends for advice and support and making that jump to formal help, professional, clinical, whatever it is, which has to be done when there are serious issues, right? If you suffer from a serious mental health issue, we encourage everyone to do that jump. But for someone who just wants to get something basic of their chest, 
bad day at work, fight with a girlfriend, fight with my sibling, whatever it is. That's a very large jump, which is sometimes scary. There's some taboo to it, especially, you know, the more you move to the East, for example, in Canada and the US, Latin America is very open to speak about stuff. You go to Europe where I'm from, it's more closed. You go to Asia, it's even much more closed. Very individualistic societies. So what we notice is one, there's a taboo about making that, it's scary, but also B, it's expensive and C, you might not need it for something very small. So we started thinking, what can we have as a solution between that gap? And that's where we found the answer. That's a psychology postgrad. Because a psychology postgrad is basically someone who knows more than a friend, that has more experience, have had that background, but is still not licensed. So they're not, they don't have a clinical bias. They're just that informal lending body that you need when you need something more than your friends. And that's what relief is all about. It's matching people with a psychology postgrad so that they can casually chat about whatever is bothering them within 20 minutes. So it's very short and at an affordable price. It's 10 pounds, which is I think around 13 Canadian bucks, or 13 US bucks, 14 Canadian bucks, something like that. Some, uh, um, yeah. yeah, to speak to a postgrad. So the postgrad gets to make money and also get its experience for later on in their career. Um, and you as a user, very quick, it's very cheap, it's very informal, and even more, it's also blurred. We took that from the dating app you can remain yourself anonymous. You are shown blurred by default. You can remove it if you want to show your identity, that's fine, but you can keep yourself anonymous if you want to. So that's a very long answer to your many questions. No, that's perfectly fine. I want to understand this application of yours, right? How do you choose your postgrads that you put on the app? How do you go about choosing and selecting these postgrads? Yeah, so that's a question we've been asked a few times. Um, so when we started with, with Relief, the first thing, is how do we get to create you know, the marketplace? We have essentially a marketplace here. We have two sides of it, demand and supply. As opposed to the dating app, there's no clear demand and supply. Both can be either side, right? Here, there's a very clear demand and supply. The first thing you need when you have a marketplace is you first need to have your supply, meaning you first need psychology postgrad. The best example I can give you is if you look at Uber, you first need Uber drivers, which is the supply, before you can attract passengers, which is the demand. Other way, you know, other way around doesn't work. So the same here, we had, okay, the first focus is getting the postgrads, getting our supply. And that's what we did. We created the Google form with a very brief explanation of relief. We targeted individual LinkedIn profiles. Many people mentioned their email on the profile. So we targeted psychology postgrads from various places and various countries and cultures. And we started contacting and saying, hey, we launched, we're launching this app. Um, here's a Google form. If you're interested in being um, part of the network, please fill it in. And it was asking them for very basic details. Fast forward to having gone through all of that, we had around just above 100 responses. Wow. Um, we had to shift through all of them to see who's relevant, who's not, because sometimes we had targeted people and they were actually undergrads. We didn't want that. We want minimum qualification of postgrad. Sometimes it wasn't relevant. Sometimes, you know, whatever the <laughs> reason is, we went down to a final 40 or so from these 100. From these 40, we went on a call with every single one to ask them some information. You know, give me examples, give me that. And then if they fit the bill, which was a final 25 that they are today on the app, we then onboarded them as a psychology postgrad. And we went through different protocols, how to react in certain situations, because yes, this is not an app for people with mental, issue, mental health issues. There are plenty of apps connecting people with therapists, but what if that still happens? What if there's still someone using relief, but they do have a mental health issue? So we had to train these psychology postgrads. And that's what we did for the final out of the 40, the final 25, we basically onboarded them. We had a very set, we still have a very set protocol of things, how to react, what's the goal of the call, um, you know, certain 
rules they have to adhere to and so on. Yeah, I'm going through the application right now. It's I have it open up and I'm looking through it, right? And you have this uh, when when you log into the application, right? There's a sign in process, you know. And then yes. once there's a sign in process, you also have what kind of interest that you have, you know. And then a bunch of these uh, different psychologists have interests to show you that which one would be the best fit for you. But as I'm going down here, there's more women psychologists on this application than there are male psychologists. Is there a reason for that? Is there, do you have, or was it just these were the people that just best fit the application? There is no reason. I think it's the same reason as to why you go to an engineering course and it's predominantly oh. men. You know, psychology is predominantly, predominantly a woman degree where there are still men, but the majority is women. Just like engineering, you'll find mostly men. In computer science, you'll find mostly men. So of course we were trying to target, but naturally, you find a lot more women than men. Right, right, right. Just, I, I have more questions because like, you got to realize how many people are you, do you know how many people are using the application right now and uh, how successful it is? Do you have yeah, any so we passed over 200 sessions. Um, That's good. Congrats. We don't know, thank you. We don't know how many are using it because yeah. we can only see the signups, you know, we, we, I mean, of course. And, and the amount of sessions. Um, we, so we, we launched earlier this year. It's relatively new, recent. Um, and at the moment, of course, we don't know what happens in the sessions that's private no, unless they decide to tell us as part of feedback. But at the moment, the feedback is very positive from both sides, from the psychology postgrad side. They're saying, you know, great, this is giving right. me more experience. It allows me to kind of help someone because I have lucky, I'm lucky to have some knowledge that can be applied to me, but now mm -hmm. it can apply to others. And at the same time, they're making some sites income from it. And from the user perspective, the same thing we're hearing that they're finally getting that different perspective, different set of eyes, which they weren't getting from friends because of the reasons I've mentioned before, but they're still not going to see someone professional. My real question is though, is the fact that you've created this application, right? But there's just so many different applications like this that already exist. Why, does, why is yours better than the ones that are already free and already exist for people? So I, I'll, let, let me try to put the record straight, there are no current apps like that at the moment. So within that gap that I've explained, where you have friends which are informal and psychologists who are formal, there's a large gap, right? Right. The closest thing you'll find is basically an emergency hotline. So someone you can call like the Good Samaritan hotline or whatever. Right. But these tend to be more for extreme situations, domestic abuse, suicide prevention, so it's not the typical lending body you want to have when you have a fight with your boss. Some people might use it, but it's still, you know, it's still not for that. And even if you do use it, it's on the phone. You don't get that aspect of a face-to-face -face interaction, even though you are blurred as a user, um, which you can remove. So it has a different aspect to it. Secondly, if you use such a hotline, you don't choose who you speak to. You speak to one of their volunteers. Yeah. On the app, on Relief, you have 25 different profiles. We cover over 10 different languages, plenty of different cultures, most of them are based in Europe. There are some in, um, in America and, and some in South America. Um, and then we do have two in Asia. So you get to basically pick which one is most suitable based on the language or the culture you're familiar with, or whatever it is. And that's what makes it fun because you're able to identify yourself with a profile that you like and have a call with that person. Um, so there are no solutions really. The, mo the closest thing you get is these emergency hotlines or you can maybe tell me you find these peer-to-peer -peer networks where you can speak to another stranger and express your concern, but that still doesn't help you, you know, get basically your relief. That's why the application is called relief. 
It doesn't help you get to the relief. It's just speaking to another stranger who may or may not help you. We're trying to get that stability in our life, right? Uh, yeah. my, my real question is the fact that, you know, this application exists and is great. My biggest concern when it comes to this application is the pricing of the application, right? You know, 13 pounds, well, 10 pounds and 13, $14 is not a lot of money for a person that actually has a job. So is your focus mostly just for people with careers and people who actually have a nine to five or who can actually pay for something like this on their side, on the side that who actually do have a job because, you know, you're not going to get children on this app. You're not going to be able to get teenage kids on this app because no one is going to be willing to pay you 10 pounds for someone else to listen to their problems. Who's not even an expert yet. Yes, you're right. So first of all, we don't target kids and and teenagers for the reason that this is not a professionally licensed person you're speaking to. So we don't want to start getting into a certain age group where it starts getting very complicated. We prefer that these people speak to whoever they need to speak to, right? Whether it's their school counselor or so on. So we're not targeting this younger audience of schooling kids um, and and, and maybe teenagers. That's not who we target. We start from kind of student upwards to young professional and so on. And at that point, in terms of the price point, um, we were thinking, should we have different prices for each? Should we have one price point that defines the product and doesn't matter who mm-hmm. you pick? And basically, based on research we've done before launching the app, the, the consensus was it should be one price. It shouldn't be different prices. So today, if you go to a, a psychology app, you'll find an app which matches you with psychology. So you'll find, you know, I have stress, I have anxiety, I have depression, whatever it is. And then you'll see a list of different psychologists and different prices and reviews. And that's great. But we wanted to make it basically very informal, one thing you pay, doesn't matter who you speak to, it's 20 minutes. In terms of the exact pricing, you're right that the pricing impacts people differently based on one, the stage they're right in their life, but also two location. Mm-hmm. In the US, 10 pounds or, or $14, $13, it's 13 American dollars, um, is, is less than someone who's in Asia where their salary is less, right? So we are trying now to see whether we can straight start creating dynamic pricing based on location because that also affects um, the thing. So we're still experimenting with the pricing. But the, the, the idea to look at it is basically today, if you go to see someone professional, you're not going to find anything cheaper than at least 80 bucks an hour for something reasonable. And that's on the low end. You can go on the high end to a few hundred bucks an hour, even a few. Canada, that's about 15 bucks Canadian, right? You got to realize that's more than an hourly wage of someone, right? And I like, I, I think the pricing to me is the fact that, oh, if I'm going to pay for this, right, why am I getting the right amount, a right amount of, out of it, right? 20 minutes is not a very long time, you know, 20 minutes. You can talk for 20 minutes and they'll go by fast. So I haven't actually booked an appointment myself on the application, so I don't know how it works completely. What I want to know is, do you guys have a timer at the top or how does that process, like how does a meeting work? How does that go about? No, so that, that's a good question. First of all, you have to remember, we're not giving you something that is free, right? No, of we're course. giving you a service that is given by someone else. Just like when you take an Uber drive or, or another taxi, that driver is giving you a service and has to be paid for that. So that's the same here with the students. Maybe, yes, it is more than the hourly wage in Canada. I don't know different figures for different countries, but it's still someone who gives their time. And we had to find a compromise at which point it's interesting enough for these psychology postgrads to join 
because their incentive course, is not just experience, but also side income they can make. And it's still affordable from a user perspective view. That's just to kind of start and leaning into your answer. Um, and secondly, there's no timer in the call. The call is 20 minutes. It's up to you to feel how the call goes. You know, if it goes over time, if it finishes before, that's fine. It's, it's just kind of how the dynamics of the call is gonna be. The reason why we did 20 minutes and not one hour, for example, is because the whole point of this app is for a quick straight to the point session. If you start and head, you know, if you need to start and go back into your past and, and they need to start asking you questions, yeah. you're probably not going to need to use my app but you, or, or Relief, but you probably need to use a more professional app, right? right? But if you just have, I had a bad day with my boss, I feel like I want to feel listened to and speak to someone about it and get some different perspective. That's the target we're, we're targeting here. So many times of the, again, we don't know what people speak about in the calls, but sometimes we do get feedback. And the most recurring feedback, uh, or not feedback, sorry, the most recurring topic we see is basically people going and speaking to the psychology postgrad and saying, I don't have a good work-life balance now with COVID. I'm stuck at home. I'm, I, you know, the days are blurred for me. I don't see the difference between a Monday and a Thursday and even the weekend sometimes. And then that helps because then they speak to a psychology postgrad. They feel they, feel they, they have been listened to. And the psychology postgrad is, is able to give a different perspective by normalizing the situation, by positivizing and saying things like, of course, you know, you have to put boundaries and maybe the time you were using to commute, you can now use it to learn a specific language or a new skill so that you feel you're using your time productively rather than watching Netflix series. So these are very small tips that can be done and discussed in a 20 minute call, because that's the whole point of 20 minutes. It's straight to the point. It's short. It's a one-off session. The point is not for people to start doing repeat sessions because then that's probably a sign that they don't need to be using relief. No, I definitely, I definitely agree, man. Uh, and also, you know, gotta get that stability in your life. That's what we're all about. This is why we're here on stability podcast. Yes. We're talking about that stability and, you know, I like the concept of relief, right? You know, sometimes you're just having a frustrating day and you just need 20 minutes just to like go at it, you know, just send out what you have and just like relief, release everything, release all these emotions that are getting like clammed up in you. And sometimes you don't have those people in your life that you can just like smash things out now you've paid for someone to just like you know talk it out just like put throw things out there for someone who supposedly will be working in this industry and should be professional enough to let you do that you know what i mean and they can mm-hmm. they can provide critic uh provide important criticism, provide import, not criticism, but important feedback to what you said. Right. So I really yeah. do like the concept of relief. I think it is an amazing concept. I think a lot of students, when they write an exam, you know, a lot of students write an exam and they fail, you know, they, sometimes they fail. Sometimes they do really bad. They just have that anger and they, they don't have anyone to talk to. They don't have, you know, you, you, you see a friend, he's got a hundred percent and you got 40% and you're like, Oh man, I like, I'm so mad. And this you know relief you know relief is out there to bring you relief in your life and you know it's mm-hmm. I, I i get that concept and you know what the only reason why i was lingering on the money aspect of it was just because like you know it, you're paying a professional sometimes to do it and i get it you know these people need to make you know a little bit of money compensation but the point i was getting to which i think you explained was what if is it the psychologist who times you for the 20 minutes, for example, you're, or the post-grad, right? So you're in this conversation, right? You're having a 20 minute conversation is, does your app allow the post-grad to go over that 20 minute time limit? Absolutely. Okay. That's what I was was wondering. Absolutely. There's no timer on top. There's no limit. It's just that, you know, you're booking a 20 minute call and the post-grad knows you've booked a 20 minute call. So I'm guessing, you know, somewhere along in your unconsciousness, you'll try to keep track of that 20 minutes. 
but there's nothing prevented you from going over time. Right, right. Awesome, man. This app sounds very, very fascinating. And I love the concept about it. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And I actually have a business proposal for you after this call. I'm interested in asking about something on a way I can help promote it. Because I know a lot of my fellow friends and a lot of people that I've worked with a lot of people, you know, in Canada and the US and having these connections, a lot of people are going through things, you know, it's, it's tough for people. And you you've Very noticed tough. it you you're living in London, the place where it shut down tw- three times or what yes. locked down three we're times. Still in lockdown now. Yeah, yeah, we're still going through it. We're, we barely opened up. And, you know, and they just told us our schools are opening back up in fall. And you know, it's going to be a stressful time going back. It's going to be a stressful time, you know, being able to adjust back in university life. It's going to be, an adjust, you know, it's going to be a very stressful time for everyone because it's going to be like, oh, a lot of the first year students that were supposed to be in college this year didn't get to go to college. Now their second year is going to be the first year, technically of their first year of college. Yeah. And they're going to, it's going to That's be a crazy. whole different story. Everyone's going to be trying to, plus the vaccines are coming out. People are worried about, oh, is the vaccine going to get me sick? I like it. Do I want the vaccine? Do I not want the vaccine? You know, there's just so many different mm-hmm. issues happening in our lives. It, let alone losing your job, work, friends, breakups. Like that's a secondary at this point because your main concern is like your health and your wealth. And it's just like- Exactly. And, and we are, you know, we're human beings. It's in our DNA to be social beings. But when we're deprived of that social gatherings and, and because of lockdown, the first thing you need is to just let your feeling out and speak to someone about it. But that doesn't always have to be negative. It can always be, also be positive. It can be a life goal you have. So- can be used both to get your feelings out, but it can also be to try to build a life goal towards something. I wanna be more productive at home. I want a better work-life balance. I want whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Um, but yeah, we, we need that as humans. I think it's just about whether we're open-minded to speak about it with someone else or not. And you really see a cultural difference with the world. Where you're based, people are much more open about speaking, open, about speaking openly with someone than in London. And in London, people are much more open than in Japan or China, because these are very individualistic societies. So for sure, there's a big need. It's just about the openness of one to to be able to speak. Sasha, as a person who's created applications, you've made blindly and now you've created relief, right? With you and your cousin, Glenn. Glenn, right? Correct? Yes. Yes. So with Glenn, I, I want to ask, there's a lot of students out there. There's a lot of computer science students. There's a lot of people, not even as computer science students, there's a lot of people just in general that have wanted always to create an application, right? They've always wanted mm-hmm. to be in that career. They've always wanted to like do it as a side hustle or do it as something else besides to put on their portfolio. What kind of advice would you give a person who's going to go and start to create a project of an application? Um. Well, first, I think everything starts with the seed of something, right? The idea about whatever you're going to create. Mm -hmm. Before you start creating something, always get the research done before. There's this thing called the minimum viable product, which is essentially another word for a prototype or a fancy word for a prototype. Before you start creating your MVP, make sure you've analyzed the market. Is there a need? Is there competition? Competition is not always bad, right? Competition can also mean it's a good market to compete in, but just make sure you're aware of who's playing, what's there, um, is there a demand for that? And start testing whether your concept holds true and, and you get some validation without building a product yet. Just test it. You know, if, if you have, for example, let's take relief as an example. If you have the idea of relief in your mind, before you start creating an app, 
Start testing it and manually match people with postgrads. Don't do it on an app. Do it on a Google form. Do it on a Google sheet. Whatever you want to use it, just to see whether there's a demand and a supply and there you can see validation. If you pass that, then go to the next step, which is creating that MVP, that prototype. That does not mean create a perfect app. It means, and that's the reason why, for example, you asked me iOS or Android. At the moment, we just have an, excuse me, we just have an iPhone app because we're still in that testing and getting the validation because we want to make sure it's worth spending more time to create an Android app as well. So back to what, when you've tested, you know, with, without an app, you start creating your product. Your product does not need to be great. I think um, Reid Hoffman, who's the co-founder of LinkedIn, he said, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you've launched too late. There are always going to be bugs and products in your and, and problems in your product and your app or website, but that's fine. That's how you start. You start little by little. Facebook didn't start perfectly. Instagram wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. They all went through many iterations. We're far from being perfect. We're probably going to iterate many more times and that's fine. But you start testing it with the minimum prototype you can to start seeing whether there's demand. Once you have validation of a prototype, you start making a more serious product and you try to grow it from there. Um, that's kind of the advice I can give you because, or give to students, because really, if you start thinking about an app or a website or any idea, there are so many ideas and so many products being created, specifically apps. There's more than two or three million apps on both app stores, Android and iPhone. So just having an app and expecting it to explode overnight is yeah. being, you know, unrealistic. That's like finding you're a needle a in a haystack. Yeah. That only, yeah, you're a complete dreamer. That only happened in 2009 when you were Angry Birds and there were no other apps and luckily with a bit of marketing. Um, but today it's very hard. You don't have, even if you have a marketing budget, it's still very hard to mm -hmm. make, you know, to get the noise out there, get your app noticed. And that's what, um, that's why you need to make sure that before spending all your time and resources and building a product <laughs> and everything, make sure you've done the research before. Of course. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate that, you know, that advice, especially it doesn't matter if you're just building an application, right? Because you've done that, like creating a podcast, creating something like mm -hmm. have content, creating some kind of content. Like I, I go listen to my introduction. I really want to re-record my introduction because it's horrible. I'm <laughs> using, uh, I'm using no mic. I'm literally using the speaker of my of my laptop and you can hear so the fan going off and i'm just like wow i'm so embarrassed and like the episodes after that like this episode this is my second third episode using a mic right and i'm like wow the audio quality is so much different i just sound more crispier and now i'm learning the editing like i'm learning more about the editing like the equalizers and compressors i'm like oh wow i can make a man sound like a man <laughs> they don't have to sound like a woman because of the way i record it so it's just it's an amazing experience man it's and it's an, yeah, it's an amazing it, way to build something. Absolutely. And, and you, you see that, you see, you go step by step. First with a product that doesn't work well, like you said, no mic, hearing the fan. Once you have some validation, you grow from there because you don't know whether it's worth spending resources mm -hmm. yet without testing. So oh, there's a very course. good book, actually, I can recommend. It's called The Lean Startup from Eric Ries. And he mentions that. So it's called The Lean Approach, the way to test something with the minimum amount of resources right. to go to the next step. And then when you test that, you go to the next step and you do it kind of step by step without wasting too many resources. Baby steps. Thank you for listening to Stability Podcast hosted by Hassan Ashraf. All brand new episodes of Stability Podcast are posted on Mondays at 6 p.m. For more news on Stability Podcast, please follow our Instagram at Stability Podcast, our Twitter at Stability underscore pod, and our YouTube channel, which you should subscribe to at Stability Podcast.